healthcare organizations have a shadow aspect that runs counter to the actual goals and mission of medical care? And if so, how do we shine light on those shadows and expose them for what they are in the interest of positive change and organizational culture? Let's talk all about it right here on episode 292 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. In these days of the unfortunately ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, we're disseminating as much high-quality, evidence-based information and expert opinion as we can in our monthly COVID-19 updates. Meanwhile, we still want to support you in your personal and professional development by discussing salient issues of the day. I love having you along for the ride, whether you're new to the show or you've been on this journey with me for months or years. No matter, thanks for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is all about you, your nursing and healthcare career, and healthcare writ large. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, medicine, entrepreneurship, technology, and beyond. This episode is brought to you by EHR Go. Go is a simulated electronic health record with a catalog of realistic and diverse patient care scenarios included. Go helps educators teach a human-centered approach to technology in healthcare. Find out more at healthpodcastnetwork.com forward slash go Keith. That's healthpodcastnetwork.com forward slash go Keith. I thank EHR Go for their generous support of the Nurse Keith Show. And did you know that Nurse Keith Coaching is your one-stop shop for all things related to your career? That's right, I offer individualized coaching for nurses and healthcare professionals around the world. And if you mention you're a listener, you get 10% off your first coaching package. So email me today at keith at nursekeith.com to schedule a chat. Now the show notes for this episode will be at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 292. That's nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 292. So in Jungian psychology, the shadow, also known as the shadow aspect or the shadow archetype, can be seen as an unconscious aspect of a personality that the conscious ego the self doesn't really want to recognize as an aspect of the self. Some may refer to it as the entirety of the unconscious mind. So in some sense, shadow can be seen as the, let's say, unknown side of our minds and personalities that we don't speak of very often or refer to. And if we're apt to reject or remain blissfully ignorant of those aspects of our personalities that are less than righteous, less than kind, that shadow could be said to be largely negative, and that's the way we often see it. Carl Jung wrote, Everyone carries a shadow, and the less it is embodied in the individual's conscious life, the blacker and denser it is. He also said, One does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. So what does this mean when an organization has an unacknowledged shadow? On the website culturebuilder.com, author Matt Oran writes, quote, something generally happens as companies grow. For startups, the change usually comes after the business model has been proven or their B round has funded. At this stage, the executive team meets and discusses how to implement processes for sustained growth. 
This involves rapid hiring and expansion with individuals who mainly come from larger organizations. It's a common experience in the growth stage of a company that most of us have seen. Less conscious decision-making results in unintended consequences. Leaders make decisions that are sometimes in direct opposition to the espoused values of the culture. People stop walking their talk. This, it seems, is the emergence of a collective and unconscious process called shadow. Now, you might be a nurse or doctor or physical therapist or social worker sitting at home thinking, Mm-hmm. I've seen this many times. I'm seeing it in the current organization where I work. Or I just quit my job because the shadow at my organization was so out there. It was so in my face. There was nothing I could do but walk out that door because that shadow was so dense. There was no way I was going to be able to cut through it. And I would rather just go on to find another place to work. So this notion of shadow is definitely not it's definitely not unheard of by those of us who've worked or continue to work in healthcare and whether we're leaders whether we're we're lower down on that hierarchy we can sometimes see the shadow coming a mile away and sometimes it seems like our organization is all shadow that there's no care there's no righteousness there's no kindness empathy compassion it's just all shadow and we are just cannon fodder for that organization to make money. Now, Torben Rick, who's an organizational expert and consultant who lives and works in Germany, who I just discovered, he states that organizations are actually shadows of their leaders. He suggests on his blog, there'll be a link in the show notes, that when a company's leaders don't walk the talk of the behaviors that they purport to desire from their employees and staff, There's a lack of integrity at the organizational level. And I can just imagine you, listener, nodding your head or shaking your head again, going, yep, seen it so many times. I am really tired of seeing it right in my face. So Mr. Rick provides some salient examples and very likely, I bet, from his direct experience and or his observation of organizations he consults with. So he states that you might see increased teamwork and cross-organizational collaboration being preached, yet the senior team doesn't collaborate across divisional lines whatsoever. He also says the organization is seen cutting back on expenses, but the senior team doesn't change any of its special perks, and I'll add here, or decrease its salaries rather than laying off nurses in the midst of a pandemic, right? And you might see people being asked to be held accountable for results while the senior team members continue to subtly blame one another for those lack of results and take no responsibility themselves. Nurses call me all the time with stories of their workplace shadow, and those might be bullying, incivility, aberrant behavior. This could be disregard for employee safety. It could be PPE shortages or just the the seemingly lack of desire to allow staff to have adequate PPE during COVID, putting them at risk, mandatory overtime, understaffing, union busting efforts, authoritarian managers and supervisors who have no communication skills, no empathy, no compassion, and staff being treated, like I said a few moments ago, 
like so much cannon fodder. And in these days of the COVID-19 pandemic, man, do people feel like cannon fodder more than ever. This, my friends, this is organizational shadow at its worst. And what do we do about it when we work in a workplace where we slave away every day, where we work really hard, where we give our all to our patients and to our colleagues, and we try to do the best we possibly can. And we are met with an organization that demeans us, that doesn't value us, that dishonors our contributions, that ignores what we have to say, or if we're even given a platform from which to say anything or to share our opinions. When the shadow rears its ugly head, what do we do with it? How do we make some change? So just like Matt Aron said from culturebuilder.com, that when we see leaders making decisions that are in direct opposition to the values of the workplace culture that are maybe written on the wall on a plaque or on the website, or if it seems like the leaders aren't walking their talk, doesn't that kind of trickle down from the bigger, higher levels of the hierarchy to people in more supportive roles or middle management roles. If we see that an organization has CEOs or COOs or CNOs or whoever they happen to be, if we see those folks not taking pay cuts, but cutting the pay of the staff who are actually treating the patients or not changing their vacation packages, but taking vacation time or sick time or personal time away from staff. If we see that, and if the middle management sees that, what happens to the middle management? Do they speak up to the CEO and COO and CNO and say, hey, wait a minute, what's going on here? Maybe, maybe that happens in some organizations. Maybe sometimes those people are 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 punished or fired for that or demoted. What sometimes happens in organizations that I've read about and that I've seen is that the middle management then takes on this same zeitgeist perpetrated by the upper management and the executives. They become little authoritarians, just like the CEOs and COOs who are breathing down their necks so that it's a trickle-down effect where rather than having anything positive trickle down, it's the negativity. It's the authoritarianism. It's ruling with an iron fist. It's not treating people well, and it's not allowing for change to come forward. And it's obviously, absolutely not allowing any room for anyone to call out the shadow and to say, hey, wait a second, our organization has veered off course. We are now operating completely divorced from our mission, from our stated values. We are not showing up for the community or for the community within our organization the way we always said we wanted to. And something is rotten in Denmark here, and we need to change it. Just as William Shakespeare said, there's something rotten in Denmark. That was Hamlet, I believe. So Carl Jung, I believe, was right that that shadow is something that often doesn't want to be looked at. It's that unconscious aspect of the personality that the conscious ego doesn't recognize as an aspect of the self or just refuses to even consider 
could be an aspect of itself. And just like people can have a shadow aspect of their personality, small groups can have a shadow aspect, and even really large organizations, and even, dare I say, governments, hint, hint, can also have a shadow aspect. So when we come back from the break for the second half of episode 292, we're going to talk about ways in which we can actually call out the shadow, that we can look to ways in which to empower ourselves and others to look at the shadow and address it and maybe even spark some needed change. So we'll be right back for the second half of episode 292 of The Nurse Keith Show. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment to thank our generous sponsor, EHR Go. Listeners, does technology and healthcare education sometimes feel like the tail wagging the dog? You should check out EHR Go. Go uses case-based learning to teach a human-centered approach to technology and healthcare education. With over 300 multifaceted patient cases presented in a realistic, simulated electronic health record, Go helps students build clinical judgment skills while also learning to effectively document within an EHR. When working in Go, students must evaluate and organize competing healthcare needs into levels of urgency while making simple to complex clinical judgments about their patient care, just like in real life. Used in all educational healthcare disciplines, Go can be used within or between programs and is the ideal platform for interprofessional education. Web-based with no software to download or maintain, Go can be used on any computer or browser for in-person learning or for remote or hybrid lessons. Go is the only educational platform that puts human care at the heart of technology. Learn more about Go by visiting healthpodcastnetwork.com forward slash Go Keith. That's healthpodcastnetwork.com forward slash Go Keith. And I thank EHR Go for their generous support. Speaking of support, please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other listeners who value the show so much, they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. And when you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support the show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from me. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Nurse Keith. Also, please consider signing up for my monthly newsletter at nursekeith.com. I promise it's a quick read with just enough information to give you something to think about and some relevant content to explore as you wish. Finally, if someone you know could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me and there's no expiration date, so you can use that credit anytime you like. And you can refer as many people as possible and continue to earn coaching credits. I think that's an amazing deal. Those are my sincere asks of you, dear listener. So now let's dig back into today's topic. And we're back. Thanks for hanging out here at episode 292 of the Nurse Keith Show. Remember, the show notes will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 292. Pretty sure very soon we're going to be saying 300 something. And that is something hard for me to wrap my head around, but I guess it's true. 
So in the upcoming episode number 295 of the Nurse Keith Show, I'm interviewing physician and organizational consultant Patty Fay of Fay Consulting and host of the Licensed to Lead podcast. It's a real new one that you're going to want to check out, Licensed to Lead, as well as her daughter, Jamie Katuna, a fourth-year medical student and social media personality who's seeking a career in emergency medicine. And we discuss, the three of us, the intersection of organizational culture, physician leaders, leadership, and how culture can make or break an institution or facility, and also the practice of medicine and healthcare writ large. And just recently, the previous episode to this one, episode 291, I spoke with the amazing Dr. Jonathan Fisher. If you haven't heard this episode, an interview with Jonathan Fisher, the Happy Heart MD, you definitely want to check it out. He's a clinical cardiologist, a speaker, an organizational consultant, and an expert in mindfulness and other things related to mindfulness. So while Jonathan and I first focused on his concepts of the connections between the metaphorical and energetic heart and the physical heart, we also discussed his work at Novant Health. And Novant Health is a multi-facility organization in the southeastern United States. And he's involved at Novant as a medical professional practicing, seeing thousands of patients per year in his cardiology practice. But also he's involved in, get this, their organizational resilience and well-being team, their COVID-19 burnout prevention and recovery task force, and their empathic communication training team. Does your organization have anything like that at all? And I may have joked during the episode talking with Jonathan about how many of my listeners are going to run to their computers to apply for positions at Novant Health, but I actually wasn't kidding. So during our conversation, Jonathan talks about being a bad colleague by his own admittance As recently as 10 years ago, nobody liked working with him. He was a tyrant. He was stressed out. He was burned out. He was curt. He was impolite. And he was very transactional in his relationships with his colleagues. Like, what can you do for me right now? He even wrote himself notes. He admits this to remind himself to bring donuts so he could ingratiate himself with the staff, which didn't work because he was still acting very poorly. So... He needed to actually change his behavior of how he interacted with them. And this is a form of leadership because if we listen to Patty Fay in the upcoming episode 295, physicians are leaders by dint of their place in the power hierarchy. So physicians can set examples and they sometimes set poor examples. So what Jonathan reports changing his demeanor in his relationships with his colleagues is that instead of bringing donuts, he would actually pay attention to people and he would ask a nurse how her mom was doing because she was sick or ask another colleague how their garden was doing this season because he remembered that person likes to garden. And yeah, this takes time. It takes energy. It takes memory. It takes maybe putting some notes in your iPhone to remember, oh my gosh, Joan's mom is in the hospital with cancer. I'm going to check in with her next time I see her. But we need that sense of truly wanting to and connecting with others. And when we do lead by example this way, and like I said, a physician is a leader by dint of their position, the culture can be shifted from the inside. 
Now, when we think about those CEOs and COOs, those people in the executive suite, usually upstairs or whatever, they're often unseen. They're invisible to staff. And it can feel like they're, you know, locked away in their ivory towers, counting their money and planning their next Caribbean vacation, while the peons, the cogs in the wheel, are working below in the actual hospital or facility or agency, earning the money for them. Now, resentment towards the executive team can grow and bad blood can infiltrate the emotional circulatory system of the organization, especially if we see what I mentioned earlier from Torben Rick, where cross-organizational collaboration is preached, but the senior team isn't collaborating at all. And they're cutting back on expenses, but not cutting their own. They're cutting everybody else. So when we see this sort of dichotomy between what they say and what they actually do, we can feel really resentful. And that makes for a toxic organization. And like I said a few minutes ago, that can cause that toxicity to bleed out, to hemorrhage out into all aspects of the organization from top management to middle management and down. So my dear friend, Dr. Renee Thompson, she's the CEO of the Healthy Workforce Institute. I know I've mentioned her before because I love her so much. And you can catch her here on the Nurse Keith Show's upcoming 300th episode. And you can also tune into episode 196 to hear her talk about her work on eradicating bullying and incivility from the healthcare workplace. Healthy workplaces aren't a pipe dream. They're a must. And people like Renee and Torben Rick and Jonathan Fisher, who I just mentioned, are doing the work on the ground to try to change organizations. And we need to support people like Torben Rick and Renee Thompson and Jonathan Fisher in doing this work by bringing them into our organization as consultants so that those changes can actually take place. That's one way we can create a healthy workplace is try to force our organization to bring in outside help to make those changes. I personally believe that CEOs and those executives, they can come down from those perceived or maybe actual ivory towers. They can meet personally with individuals and small groups of employees, can't they? They can go out of their way to do that. They can make their presence known. How many of you and let's raise your hands here so I can see you. How many of you have worked in, let's say, uh, in a hospital? Have you ever seen the CEO or COO come down to the floor, put on a set of scrubs and a gown and whatever, a mask, and walk the halls, talking with staff, observing, and literally, almost literally walking in the shoes of, let's say, a nurse or a second-year resident or an attending doc or an environmental service worker who cleans the rooms of COVID patients or the people who do the laundry or make the meals or deliver the meals or do security or take care of the HVAC system. How many healthcare or let's say large hospital CEOs have actually put on scrubs and walked the hallways and maybe shadowed a nurse for 12 hours or shadowed a resident for 12 or 24 hours and then understand the nature of their work and what they go through? How many CEOs know the name of, let's say, an HVAC worker who takes care of all the HVAC stuff all around the hospital? Have they ever done a tour of the underbelly of the hospital with that person and seen how that all works? Do they know what those people actually do and what they go through? Do they know the day-to-day -day reality of the people who are working for them? 
They can't really know until their boots are literally on the ground and they are walking in the footsteps of the people who do that work. And if I was a CEO of a hospital, that's what I would be doing on a regular basis. I would be walking around, talking, following, and observing. I wouldn't be talking too much. I would be listening, actually. I would not be talking. I would be talking in terms of expressing empathy, like, wow, you do a really important job, or you're amazing, or I can't believe you've been on your feet for 13 hours. That's what we need to hear from our leaders. And we also need those leaders to model positive behaviors, and I don't just mean CEOs. We need physicians and surgeons and chief nursing officers and nurse supervisors and managers and even charge nurses to create positive workplace cultures by dint of their behavior. They need to exhibit those behaviors and model them for us so that we then say, whoa, okay, well, this is the tenor of this organization. Well, I'm going to step up my game and I'm going to meet them where they are. And think about nursing professors, preceptors, and medical school professors and clinical advisors. How many of those people take part in what we might call hazing rituals of nursing students or medical students or interns? How much suffering do those students really have to endure in order to be good clinicians? Is it really necessary? Do we need to work them to the bone? Do we need to frighten them so much to have them actually be effective clinicians and scientists and medical healthcare providers? I have a friend whose daughter has been in nursing school recently and There's some bullying going on from the professors towards the students. There are professors out there whose, let's say, their political beliefs keep them from actually wearing masks when they go into clinical space with the students. And the uh, powers that be don't really say anything or want to do anything to cross that professor. And the students then pick up on that and decide, well, we don't have to wear masks either because the professor says it's not necessary. And we have that trickle-down effect. Again, of not just bullying, but poor behavior then being mirrored in the people who report to that person, and on and on it goes. We don't need our nursing students bullied and belittled and beleaguered as some sort of old-fashioned misguiding hazing ritual that we don't really need to abide anymore. Our nursing students don't need to pay thousands and thousands of dollars to go to school in order to be bullied. There's plenty of bullying in nursing as it is. And if we can weed it out of healthcare education, we can then weed it out of our organizations. So a single solitary nurse can walk their talk by treating support staff with kindness and empathy. So how many staff nurses, maybe you yourself, Do you know the names of anyone who comes up to your unit and delivers meals or the people who come up and clean the rooms? Do you have people who you see over and over again? Do you know what their names are? Do you know what's going on in their lives or their families? How many of you go out of your way to create relationships with those individuals who maybe in general feel and are seen as faceless, nameless people who scrub the floors and bring the food. They're just the peons and nobody really pays any attention to them. They're like, they're like waifs who just come through the unit, do their work and leave without a thank you, without an acknowledgement and without anyone knowing who they are or acknowledging them as a human being. On another level, 
Do our organizations reward intrapreneurship? We've talked about intrapreneurship here on the show before, and Jonathan Fisher and I mentioned it on episode 291. Do we create a funnel in or funnels in our organizations where employees who are entrepreneurs are supported and rewarded in their efforts to improve the workplace around them? And what kind of leadership funnels do we have so that younger, less experienced, less seasoned employees are groomed and mentored to become leaders. You know, I've spoken before as well about the bright minds of our millennial and Gen Y staff members. And just recently, I interviewed a star dang from Australia who has the Millennial Nurse podcast. And we talked about how millennial nurses are ripe. They're ready for more. And whether we like it or not, those of us who are older And thankfully, in my eyes, millennials are taking the reins of power more and more every day as we older folk retire and fade away from the workplace. And that gives me the most hope for workplace culture because these up-and-coming generations, they've by and large been raised on the meat and potatoes of accepting gay marriage and transgender equality and women's empowerment and the, the no-brainer of racial justice and all these other social movements that are happening now and have happened over years past and will happen coming along soon again, of course, because these social movements have to keep growing and have to keep morphing and evolving just like we do and just like our communities and our societies do. So as millennials and Gen Yers come into power, my hope is that they'll bring that sense of righteousness with them and that they won't perpetuate They won't choose to perpetuate what has maybe been perpetrated on them, hazing, bullying, incivility, aberrant behavior, denigration. And speaking of aberrant behavior, just like Renee Thompson says, we should have zero, zero, zero tolerance for bullying and incivility. And no matter how much money a gifted surgeon brings in, because he or she is a cost center If he or she is a bully, they need to be put on notice, enrolled in a mandatory educational program, just like a drunk driver who's caught goes to mandatory education about DUI and the effects of drunk driving on society. And if they don't meet the requirements of that behavioral change program, they lose their position, they're fired, they're removed from the organization, and they're replaced with someone who cares about being a good human being, not just a good surgeon. So my friends, the organizational shadow, that Jungian shadow has to be addressed and it needs to be addressed out loud. These changes, these conversations, this evolution that happens organizationally as a community, it doesn't need and shouldn't happen behind closed doors around an oak table where regular staff aren't seated. No, everyone, and I mean everyone, needs to have a seat at the table because you know what they say, and I've said it before, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're going to be on the menu. So for me, one aspect of an optimal organization, and I'll have to ask Jonathan Fisher about this in terms of Novant, we should have shared governance. That should be embraced, but that shared governance shouldn't just include surgeons, doctors, nurses, and other clinicians, which is, but that's great, don't get me wrong. But that shared governance should also include food services workers, environmental service workers, 
every department that exists, including that HVAC guy who the CEO needs to go follow for a day to see what he actually does or what she actually does. We can't change a culture just from the top. We also need to change it from, quote unquote, the bottom, from the grassroots. And then those two ends are going to meet in the middle. That's what we also need to happen at the governmental level. We need a change in administration. I'm being really clear and very specific here. And we need people at the grassroots and grassroots organizations to foment change so that we have change coming from the top, the government, and from the bottom, the people. And we do the same in our organizations. Cultural change like this has to be holistic. It has to be all-encompassing. It has to be enforceable. It has to be replicable. And then we need to pivot and change with the times as things evolve. So if your organization has a shadow that's staring you in the face, you're bumping up against it, what can you do about it? Do you sit back and allow your silence, as in complicity, to just go along with the current way that it is? We need organizations where speaking our truth about what we see doesn't make us a pariah or get us reprimanded or punished, just like Jonathan Fisher was saying in episode 291. We should be thanked for caring and for having a vision of what could be improved. We don't just gossip and cry into our beer at, you know, when we go out for beer with our colleagues. Instead, we, well, we can cry into our beer, but then we also have to meet, discuss, come up with alternative visions of what we want and how to get there. And then we have to demand a platform where we can present our ideas to the larger organization. So this cultural change and facing the collective organizational shadow It's got to be a heartfelt pursuit that everybody buys into from the CEO to the person who collects the trash on every unit. And if hierarchy is necessary in a large organization, of course, we can't run a 500-bed hospital on consensus. We'd never get anything done. But we can run that 500-bed hospital on the engines of transparency and open dialogue among every player who has a stake in collective success. And that means everybody who receives a paycheck from that organization, as well as stakeholders in the community, those outside organizations and the patients and patient groups that that organization actually interfaces with and serves. And in 2020, during this campaign slash election year, when we see our federal government's shadow and the shadows of our country's racism and sexism and homophobia and xenophobia before our very eyes on every newscast, one way we can contribute to altering this dark path our nation appears to be on is to carpe diem, seize the day and do the work of necessary change beginning where we live and where we work. So if our homes and our neighborhoods and our communities and our cities and our towns and the organizations that are key players in those communities, like those who deliver healthcare to citizens, by the way, if they all are on that page, then we're on our way to addressing the shadows that are holding us back, that are keeping us small, that are 
preventing us from having the world we know we could have and that our children deserve. And I know this might sound pie in the sky. This might sound like a pipe dream, but there are places, there are organizations where this kind of stuff is happening, like Novant, where Jonathan Fisher works. And I'm sure Novant isn't perfect, but they are trying. And if you work for an organization where this kind of stuff is happening, where change is really looked at, where the shadow is face down, where light is shined, where it should be shined, I want to know. So email me or call me. Let me know what's going on at your organization and I'll have someone from your organization on my show to talk about it. We need to talk about these things because if we see it happening in the world, in our country, and we see it in our workplace, then we're going to see it in our families, in our neighborhoods, and we need to counter all that negativity with positivity. So we spend a lot of time at work, those of us who have regular jobs, and we need to make sure the culture is what we need it to be so that we can live up to our ideals and values and the organization can live up to its mission, ideals, and values. Well, there you have it. That's really quite a diatribe from Nurse Keith. And remember, the show notes will be at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 292. I hope you feel uplifted, empowered, and informed with this episode and take some inspired action every day in the interest of your personal and professional satisfaction. And if you need personalized holistic career coaching, remember, get in touch with me, mention the show, and you get a 10% discount on your first package. Head over to nursekeith.com to the drop-down menu of resources, and you'll find jobs from Reload, Trusted Health, Incredible Health, and ZipRecruiter, excellent resume templates from the Resume RX, and a whole lot more. The Nurse Keith Show is a member of Ars Longa Media, a collaborative network of podcasts and media entities whose aim is to add a humanistic touch to education, educate the public from a scientifically informed perspective, and improve lives by partnering to address social ills. Check us out at arslonga.media. That's A-R-S-L-O-N-G-A.media. The Nurse Keith Show is also a proud member of the Health Podcast Network, one of the largest, fastest growing collections of authoritative, high quality podcasts taking on the tough topics in health and care with empathy, expertise, and a commitment to excellence. You can find Sanjay Gupta, The Mayo Clinic, The Nurse Keith Show, UPenn Nursing, and many others at healthpodcastnetwork.com. The Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting, and Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart and wonderful social media ringmaster. I'm grateful to Rob and Mark for keeping the wheels turning in the right direction. Be well, dig deep, please seek joy, keep in touch, excuse this enormously long diatribe, and this is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful and windy Santa Fe, New Mexico. Catch you on the flip side.